Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hello and welcome to Blizzard Watch, the podcast that talks about Blizzard games. I'm your host, Matt Rossi. With me this week, we got a little bit of a switcheroo because Ann Stickney's on vacation, so filling in for her is uh, our managing editor, uh, Liz. Say hi. Hello. Uh, what have you been doing this week? Uh, I've been doing LFRs because I've been trying to catch up on my legendary wing ring quest, and it's terrible. Yeah, I, 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 I don't like doing that either. Yeah. I honestly feel like LFR needs some adjusting. I, I don't. They need to uh, really rethink how they do it. And just it's, you need so many drops for the legendary quest. It's this is going to take me, you know, a long, long time. I'm not enthusiastic about it at all, but I'm trying to get it done. Uh, also with us this week, um, he's here pretty much every time. He's editor in chief, uh, Alex Zimart. Alex, what's up? Uh, not a lot. Um, I've actually, you know, I had a long period where I was barely logging into WoW because uh, I felt like my only goal this expansion, because the uh, legendary ring was really tedious, was to hit the gold cap, and I did that surprisingly easily. But after I did it, I was like, well, I have nothing else to do in the game right now. Um, I, mean, I got back into it. I was like, yeah, I'm going to do all this stuff. It's going to be great. And basically all I've been doing is my garrison stuff to make more gold. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm right back to doing what I was doing before, which Good isn't job. great, but whatever. All right. Well, myself, I've actually, when I play WoW now, I've been doing a lot of alpha, actually. I haven't really played normal WoW in a while. I've been running around various spoilery zones that I won't talk about for fear of spoiling things for people. But uh, definitely, there's some stuff going on in the alpha that's like, there's characters I wasn't expecting to see that I'm really glad to see. I'll you know, um, I'm I'm looking forward to well, I just in the alpha I went to Stormheim and I won't go into story stuff, but uh, uh there's you a actually you know what I'm gonna do something right now, I'm gonna jump in and say uh, one of our top stories is that Stormhelm Stormheim and, and High Mountain were open. Yeah. So that's in the alpha they've opened up some zones. Go. Uh, Stormheim sounded really awesome to me and High Mountain not so much. So I was like, yeah, I'm gonna take my alpha character straight to Stormheim and do as much as I can. And, like, a half dozen quests into Stormheim, there's a bugged quest you can't proceed past. So you can't actually advance in, like, the storyline. You can skip around the zone and find like, some isolated quest hubs and do some stuff there, but you can't actually, like, proceed with the whole story. Like, you get there, you do a few quests, something's broken. It's like, well, I'm in Stormheim, and I can't do anything now, so I guess I'll wait till an alpha patch. So I haven't even gone to High Mountain, because I got a little frustrated. It's an alpha, I shouldn't get frustrated, I should expect this, but I was still like, oh, dang, I was excited to see this one. See, I actually, my, I have two characters, one who's doing Stormheim and one who's doing High Mountain, because I have, like, 50 warriors, so. Uh, I, yes, I have 50 warriors, even on the alpha where I can't import warriors, I've actually just rolled a whole ton of them. Um, basically because I wanted to see various stuff. You I'm just wanted to fill up your character things. list. 
Uh, no, actually, I keep deleting them, so I don't have I don't have a full character list. Every time I make a new guy, I do something with it and I delete it. But uh, right now, I have a Torin that I took to High Mountain because I wanted to see the High Mountain stuff as a Torin. I felt like that would be the. Sometimes it just feels like that's the right thing to do. Like, you know, th this is something you want to see on a Torin. So I went and did High Mountain as a Torin, and I liked it. Um, I really like the the totem city that they have going on. I haven't gotten past that place yet because I, then I switched over to Stormheim. And I'm just about at the point where it's going to bug out, but I haven't done the bug out quest yet. So I, I've just gotten to see certain characters that I wanted to see. Okay. Uh, I will say this, though. Um... These are zones that definitely feel Wrath of the Lich Kingy. It like in in how they present like you know what I mean like the first yeah. time you went to Borean Tundra, yeah, well, not Torian Tundra actually the first time you went to uh, Howling Fjord the other one Howling Fjord, uh, uh, High Mountain in particular feels very Howling Fjordy. Yeah, I mean Stormheim felt Howling Fjordy, but it's like a a very cool place, so it would. Yeah. Um. Yeah. What What was interesting to me is. I don't say this in a bad way. For what little I saw of Stormheim, it seemed quite small, which may not be the case because like I haven't done I've done barely any of it. But just looking around in in viewing the terrain, it seems small, and that's not really yeah. a problem to me if there's enough content there. Um, it, it's having. Like, this is the thing in gaming, right? When somebody releases an open-world game, they're like, our map is so gigantic and so many kilometers if you put it in real life or whatever. It's like, well, the size of that is completely irrelevant if there's no meat there. And yeah. I think some recent World of Warcraft zones are kind of like that, where it's just like, oh, here's a lot of filler stuff just to like fill out this zone. And well, I, maybe Stormheim won't so have that. I don't feel like Stormheim is small because they did the Hunter quest, which goes there. The Hunter artifact quest okay. takes you to Stormheim. And there is actually more stuff there than it's, it's bigger than you might think. Because a lot of it is those weird little inlets and fog shrouded stuff right. that's down. It's kind of, it's interesting because Stormheim is like layered. Yeah. I was going to say that might be it too. Like there, there it's, it, you know, it's a mountain, so it's very vertical. And they added this yeah. thing where um they expanded the view distance so much. You can see it so much further. Yeah. So I might be interpreting it as smaller because I'm high up and I have a vantage point over this vast land that I can see more of now. You can see we were doing this actually. Um, it was Mitch, myself, and Anne were doing this. We were tr we were doing um the the Legion Alpha, but we were flying around regular old fashioned uh, Kalimdor, mm -hmm. and we went to uh, actually we also went to the Eastern Kingdoms. We went to the Burning, uh, Burning Steps. I want to say. Okay. And we were on our way there. We were actually flying there on our flying mounts to get there because we were looking for those Legion invasion zones. And you could see from just entering the zone on the other side of Black Rock Mountain from Stormwind, you could see Stormwind. That's awesome. In fact, not just could you see Stormwind, at one point Ian's like, what's that thing over there that's kind of like glowing and sparking in the distance? <laughs> is that the... Is, and, I noticed, is that the tornado cyclone? It's the tornado out in Westfall. Yeah, there's something wow. weird with those where um you can see those very clearly from much further away than anything else. Yeah, they show up very, very <laughs> I mean, you can't see you can anything see else from those zones, but that tornado is clear as day. When you I actually went to uh to the, the elf uh tree, uh Darnassus, the one that Darnassus is on. I always forget what it's called because it's not an Teldrassil. Teldrassil, thank you, yeah. Teldrassil. I was I was flying manually up Teldrassil on my mount. I wasn't like you know wasn't taking the fly, the Griffin. I was literally just flying up it. Yeah. And I turned around and looked behind me and I could see just that tornado uh, in Darkshore. Just that. I couldn't see Darkshore, but I could see the tornado. Yeah, I think that the tornadoes are um a little overpowered in the view distance realm. They're sparkling, yes. But uh, okay, so it pretty much covers the alpha. Liz, have you been playing it at all? I have really not because uh, when I, fr I first I got alpha access in that first wave and I was like, oh my god, this is so exciting and I downloaded the alpha and it uh, doesn't didn't play on Macs. And oh, uh, right. they made a Mac version. They've made a Mac version now, but it was while I was out on vacation and this past week I've mostly been playing catch up from being on vacation and I haven't actually started Fair playing enough. the alpha. Okay. 
What's next, Rossi? Okay, well, you're done? Yep. Sorry. I, I, did, I was like, I'm going to take advantage of this to drink something. And then you stopped talking. I was like, bloody hell. My bad. All right. Uh, I'm going to actually ask about the mesmerizing fruit hat because I don't understand it. Can someone explain this fruit hat to me? Because apparently it's really important. People were like, you were talking about the fruit hat. And I'm like, I don't know. Uh, I don't know that it's important, but it's ridiculous. Pe um, like 50 people told me to talk about this. So. <laughs> so so you find the hat in Pandaria in the Valley of the Four Winds. And you pick it up. And then you hearth back to your garrison. Yep, this is an actual step that you need to do. And then you use the hat in your inventory. And you put on this hat that's covered in fruit. And uh, you walk around your garrison, and NPCs near garrison will start following you and forming a conga line. So, really? so this is a really? this is a Pepe thing, where it's weird, it's, but people are in love. Yeah, yeah, it's it's weird and it's silly, and yes, I mean it's just it's we're we're in the twilight of Warlords of Tranor, and so it's kind of silly, weird, fun things that people are into. So. Yeah, a lot of people wanted to hear about this hat, so that's why it's it was considered a top story. I mean, it's and great that they added it can... now that we're almost done with our garrisons. Uh, and you can wear the hat, and you can also wear Pepe. You can have them both on your head at the same time. Well, yeah, Pepe needs to eat something, I'm sure. <laughs> you know. Hey, he's wearing a snack. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, right, but uh... yes, it's uh, you can wear the hat anywhere. But you cannot, and it, the hat, wearing the hat will make you dance, but you can only get people to follow you and dance with you in your garrison. Oh, so, so, so is it a, is it a toy? It is not a toy. It's an <sighs> item that takes up an inventory slot. And of course it's, it's not a toy. Why would it be? Why would they add things to this I toy box they implemented to I include toys? Of, I kind of suspect it wasn't a toy because it was hidden. We don't know when it was added. I mean, it was data mined back in the Warlords. Oh, yeah. Data. True. If it was a toy, so, it might be... Yeah, you might be yeah if it was a toy, you would see it in your mm. toy box. You'd know it existed. And it was only found after 6.2.3, so it could have been added then. It was only... Someone only noticed it a few days ago. Okay. But, of course, it's hiding in Pandaria. How, so, how uh, do you get it? Um, it's in. You go to Pandaria, and it's in the Valley of the Four Winds in the uh, Imperial Granary. Is that right? Yeah. Under the stairs. It's under the stairs. You find it. You click on it. It adds an item to your inventory which uh, stays in your inventory. You click it, you get a hat, you do a dance, and uh, it's on a 60-minute cooldown, and it lasts for the duration of that cooldown. But it goes away if you hearth or you zone into a somewhere else. So, But you can use it anywhere, you just don't get the conga. You can use it anywhere, and you will dance, but no one will dance with you, because okay. that would probably be really annoying. Like the party bombs. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. Hmm. Okay, well, that's so. Yeah, there you go. People who've been pestering me to write about that, there you go. Uh, that's the whole story. It's yeah. it's on the website if you want more details and uh, hilarious screenshots from uh, Mitch and Anna. Okay, and finally, um, I I only mentioned this one because Alex mentioned it last week. Lunara, yeah, is now like available in the store uh, tomorrow. tomorrow. Tomorrow, probably. Yeah. Uh, by the time you listen to this, unless you're listening to it live, right. It it hasn't been confirmed, but I'd say it's like ninety eight percent likely because they released her um, preview like a, video today. Yeah, I saw and that. And they usually they usually don't do that until right before the heroes. Yeah, available, and so. I think they do heroes every what like three to four weeks, and I think this is week yeah. four. Yeah, so it's about time. And oh, she's up. A... Yeah, you're right. They did choke all after BlizzCon, but that has actually been a while now. Yep. So <laughs> she's a, she's an interesting character in that she's a ranged assassin. Who uses poison debuffs and instead of having a mount, she has an increased move speed and mobility. Yeah. So she is her own mount. She, yeah. Um. She's a she's a dryad from WoW. Uh. She's a it was, she, she's a character they made for heroes, but she's a WoW dryad. Um. Mm -hmm. She like I guess all the time she has a twenty percent increased movement speed, but she doesn't get a mount. So in combat, she's gonna be highly mobile, like way faster than anybody else. But if she needs to get across the map. She's not gonna do it very well, um, but she still has some great like mobility in her in her ultimate. Like she has a, like a jump attack where she leaps over somebody and throws a spear down. And unlike the other assassins who seem like this really high burst damage, like that's kind of their job is just blow somebody up most of the time. She, she applies damage over time and it stacks to three. 
So if you're good enough at this, you can keep it stacked to three on a whole team, like if they stay in an engagement that long. And she could probably deal out massive damage if she's slowly dealing that much damage to every single person on the team, as opposed mm -hmm. to most assassins who have to target you know, maybe one person at a time. So I, I think she's so, going to be tough to play, but the people who do it well are going to be really, really good. Okay, so yeah, that's that's pretty much our top stories. As usual, we're going to move on to emails, so uh, please, one, as, one as quick, always... Okay. One quick Heroes thing to mention is they're still right. doing their Black Friday sale. They're doing it through the end of the year, which all Heroes skins and mounts are half off. So if you want Nara, if you want anyone else, now's the time to buy them. There's also a bunch of new holiday skins coming out tomorrow for those of you who need Winter Veil vale Janna, like I do. Uh, What's yeah. what? What is um, Sylvanas like? Gumdrop Sylvanas or whatever. Uh, it's sugar, sugar plum. Sugar plum Sylvanas? Sylvanas. Yeah, yeah, it's sugar plum. Or sh yeah, yeah, you're right. Mm -hmm. Raindrops and roses and whiskers and kit. <laughs> yeah. Um. It's... Dan had a pretty funny suggestion about how like that's would be awesome material for fan fiction where like. <laughs> This death dealer grumpy Sylvanas has to be cheerful, like Mrs. Claus or whatever, and give out presents. I'm just, I'm just hearing her kicking in the door to like, you know, do 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 do. Please stop shooting us. I'm picturing Nightmare Before Christmas, where like the kids are gathered around the tree and they're opening their presents. There's a decapitated head in the box. That's such a Sylvanas thing. Yeah. Visions of sugar plums danced in their heads. These heads, they danced in these heads. Ha ha ha. What did you get for Christmas, Johnny? Daddy, I got the plague. You all got the plague. <laughs> <laughs> I killed you is what I'm getting at. <laughs> now, uh, back into the emails. Uh, send them to podcast at blizzardwatch.com. As is always the case, we love getting emails. We'll talk about pretty much anything, lore, uh, story mechanics, whatever, game mechanics, um, you know, various games. It doesn't have to be WoW. So, yeah, send us emails. We love getting them. Uh, as is usually the case, we you know, give priority to Patreon supporters and so forth. So if you're not supporting us on Patreon, now's a good time to do that. And first email is from uh, Ushin. Uh, and thank you for the pronunciation guide, Ushin, because I would definitely not have pronounced that correctly. Um, Hi, Blizzard Watchers. I have a question about Forsaken Paladins. Why aren't there any? I know there are a couple of edge cases, but in general, what happened to the paladins killed by the Scourge slash Plague? Did they have some special immunity to being raised, or did they lose their light-given powers upon becoming undead? Are some Forsaken Warriors former paladins? Keep up the good work, uh, Ushin. Haven't we done this question about 30 times since February? You want me to do it, man. We get so many emails. <laughs> uh, to, to answer you quickly, paladins are pretty resistant to the plague in the first place. Uh, you'll notice Arthas didn't catch the plague he he got you know rune sorted and most of the people he killed with with the sword didn't come back as you know f forsaken either for instance uh, if you do the did the death knight frost artifact quest gavinrad the dyer shows up who's one of the paladins that arthas actually killed he isn't forsaken either his soul was in the blade and then when he died when the blade was broken he, his soul was like trapped around one of the pieces of it in general, the only, there is one there's one scourged paladin. He's not forsaken. He's actually in the scourge. Uh, there, his name's Sir Zeliac. And unlike the others, like I think Thane Carthas was also probably a, a paladin, but unlike the others, um, Zeliac still has the light. He can still use it. He's still straight up paladin. He still does everything, you know, paladin and light based. The the reason he can do that is because Paladin's faith in the light is what allows them to tap into its power. Most people who do get the plague and are raised as either Scourge or Forsaken kind of lose that because, you know, if the light's real, why did it let this happen to me? Why am I a shambling, horrible monstrosity living in eternal torment? I mean, when the head of your faction calls her existence torment... You know, it's like all all Forsaken are having a, a very bad life or unlife. Yeah, like for the cool factor, I would love to play a Forsaken Paladin. Like, I think that's a, that would be a really cool character to play. But like the whole Forsaken faction, they are not 
really faithful people aside from their weird cult towards Sylvanas. Uh, it's generally yeah. there's one guy there's there's one forsaken who's relatively well known as a quote unquote faithful person and it's Leonid Bartholomew. Yes. And that guy even he's not a paladin. He's just he's real he believes in the well, light. Well, I think and well, he's what a about, paladin. What about priests? How do you explain like holy priests as forsaken? See, that's a good question and it's one that they never really kind of <laughs> they just sort of like they kind of like, well, you know, well, they had shadow priests, and we kind of have to let them have holy priests if we have shadow priests. Yeah, that's, so. that definitely seems like a gameplay thing. Like, all Forsaken priests are supposed to be assumed to be shadow priests, but they also need healing classes, and you can't not give them right. healing classes. Mm. Um, I, I there, might be mistaken, but I think Leonid Bartholomew is a paladin, but it should also be noted, he I don't think he considers himself Forsaken, either. He's undead. Uh, yeah, he doesn't really... Well, he doesn't consider himself part of the the organization with Sylvanas in it. Yeah, like, Forsaken is... I think it's, like, a, a title of specific undead. Like, the Forsaken are followers of Sylvanas, basically. Mm-hmm. And Leonid is very much not that. He would... I don't know if, what his quests are now, but back in Vanilla, his quests were he wanted to find a cure for undeath. I so, will, however, point out, while we're having this discussion, uh, Leonid's main attack is Cleave. Okay, fair enough. Which is a warrior ability, not a paladin ability. But regardless, and he was trying to find a cure for this while Sylvanas was like, yeah. I want to make more. He straight up wants to cure undeath or, you know, end it. He doesn't want people to have to be undead. He, he sees himself as an abomination. Now, keep in mind, that doesn't mean he isn't still a noble and good-hearted person. He just, you know, he looks at himself and he's like, oh, God, this is awful. I also want to uh, note, even though his main attack is Cleave... Uh, mm-hmm. Paladins had no melee attacks in vanilla, so he couldn't have had any melee attacks in vanilla if he well, was a paladin. Well, he still, he still got it now. Yeah. The Battle of Light Hope was actually Wrath of the Lich King duration. That wasn't, it wasn't original vanilla. I think everything there cleaves, but it doesn't matter. Paladin, warrior, I don't care. It doesn't matter. Corfax cleaves, that's for sure. Yeah. Anyway, um, to answer, you know, and move on at this point, it's really mostly just because they didn't give forsaken paladins it's just that simple they the reason that they're not there is because when they were doling out the classes horde didn't have any paladins it's it's like we look back now and we have two paladin class races on the horde side it's hard to remember that there was a time where you didn't have any yeah and you know vice versa the shaman yeah alliance had no shaman alliance now has three shaman and that was kind of a mess, because like, Horde players would be like, Paladin blessings are so good. And the Alliance was like, we don't get Windfury Totem. This is terrible. <laughs> yeah. So that's why. Really, it's an artifact of the original game's design, ultimately. Uh, next question is from Uthos. I'm hoping I'm pronouncing it correctly, because there's no guide, but I'm pretty sure I can get Uthos right. Uh, I know the Illidari are only elves, and that is why only playable races who can be demon hunters are elves. But weren't there other Illidari that were not elves? I seem to remember Illidari Lord Balthas, who was an Eridar, and there were a couple of orcs that were involved in the Illidari as well, not counting the various clans that joined with Illidan's forces, but specific orcs like Zulahed the Wacked were part of his forces directly. Why is it that they don't also allow orcs and Draenei to play as demon hunters? They gave the excuse of lore, so can you clarify? Also, do you think that they will open it up to orcs and Draenei in the future? Well, no, I don't think they will. At least Those while. people were among Illidan's army, but only Blood Elves and Night Elves were trained as demon hunters. Mm. And you actually See, saw that in-game in, yes. in Burning Crusade. All over Black Temple were like these trainees, trainee demon hunters, and they were all elves. Every single one. There's a, I, I wrote today about the two, the, the two demon hunter artifacts. One of them is, are, the blade, are the Twin Blades of the Deceiver, which you get from uh, Varadus. And Varadus is interesting because he was the first Blood Elf to make it through the training and actually not go crazy and become a demon hunter. And he he was like, he's a really cool character, you should go read it. But the point being, that's why before them, the only people who were, who were demon hunters were night elves, like Altruist the Sufferer. And um, those guys were rare. Illidan did not have a lot of them. They had to come find him because... He spent ten thousand years buried in, in a you know under under a tree, guarded by Maev's people, 
and nobody could talk to him. Like people were just kind of like figuring it out. Like, how do we do demon huntering? I, I don't know. I guess we just imitate Illidan. I, I, I don't know. Like, how are we going to get our eyes ripped out and replaced by glowing magical orbs? <laughs> I'm not, I'm not sure on that one. So it, it, this is actually, it's funny. Demon hunters are actually fairly new in terms of anybody, but Illidan being one. Um, Illidan got his powers and abilities through, you know, all the the stuff he did, all the the people he basically betrayed to get power. Like he he mm-hmm. betrayed his own brother and his own people to get power from Sargeras, and then he betrayed Sargeras's forces to to preserve the power of the Well. Then he made the Well of Eternity, thus betraying everybody again. So they locked him up. He gets out. He eats a demon head, and you know get he, you know sorry he eats the skull of an orc <laughs> warlock who is himself full of demons. So it's. It's not like a... You really couldn't learn that. That wasn't the kind of thing that was, you know... They, there was no school for how to do that. Illidan basically was very much a try-it-see-what-sticks type of guy. <laughs> so, um, are we avoiding spoilers, as in the stuff you talked about in your post earlier? Uh, Should we just give really a spoiler warning? Like, we won't just... get into... Like, let's try to avoid huge spoilers. Like, you know... Han Solo dies or whatever. Um, Whoa, Alex. I don't know if that's real. If that actually does end up happening in the Star Wars movie, I was completely unaware of it, and I apologize. But avoid stuff like that. I think we can talk about some light spoilers. All right. Well, uh, what were you gonna say, Liz? Uh, well, I just thought it was interesting that uh, one of the artifacts is from like the first. Yeah, well, you were just talking about. It. I am terrible with names. Like the first guy who was like. Oh yeah, Varadus. Well, being a demon demon yeah. hunter, and he was like, he set up how to train the demon hunters, basically. Yeah, Varadus was when when Illidan saw how good Varadus was. Varadus is one of the the first demon hunters to to be trained out of the Blood Elves. He was the first mm-hmm. one to make it. There were there was another survivor. Like Kelfa sent five of them, and of the five that Kelfa sent, three died. One went completely crazy, and that's that's Leotharis the Blind. So if you ever raided Serpent's Rank Cavern, I loved that, that fight. Part, you know, that fight, that's the guy who didn't make it. That's the the washout, essentially. And Varadus is the only one who did make it. And Varadus was so good that he infiltrated the Shadow Council on his own and found out you know, where the Book of Fell Names was and became even more powerful because Varadus is the one who developed the, the form of metamorphosis that everybody uses. Illidan's form is not the form everybody else uses because Illidan is permanently twisted. Like, he's got hooves, you know? Yeah. Illidan is, is not normal. I mean, that, that's, as Kelthos calls him, a half-night-elf mongrel. That's not the form of metamorphosis that Varadus learned. It's not the form of metamorphosis that anybody else, like, when warlocks currently use it, and I know they're going to not be mm-hmm. able to use it in the new one, but right now, if a warlock uses metamorphosis, that's the form Varadus developed, where you turn temporarily into a demonic form, and then you change back. And right. that... He invented that. Realistically, I think the limitations are only one part lore and one part probably development limitations because these aren't... They have... I mean, at a base, yes, like, you use the Night Elf model, but it's very different. Um, you know, they have all these different horns and all these different decorations and, uh, you know... They have a different... They, they basically have a default blindfold. Yeah, like blindfold styles that have to be like made for this model, and any time they add a new race to Demon Hunters, they would have to do all of that model work. Yeah, like they have tattoos that they have. They have glowing tattoos on their bodies that can be various colors. There's a lot of work into this. It's they have a different they have different, um, you know, slash speaks. And slash sillies. Yeah, yeah. They they have you know unique voices. It's not the same night elf blood elf thing. And um, yeah. I would like to see other races be able to be demon hunters. Like that's my thing, right? Like let everybody be everything. But <laughs> I think there are you know limitations in this case that can be overcome, but maybe not immediately. I, I kind I of wonder one. if eventually, yeah. I kind of wonder if we're eventually going to like cataclysm this or burning crusade this, like burning crusade was when you the horde could be paladins and the alliance could be shamans uh i'm i really feel like eventually they'll add more races but you know not today and you know i do have this philosophy of whatever can be whatever 
But um, in my mind's eye, I can see certain races being demon hunters more than others. I I see them as like Why? this this thin, life, highly mobile fighter, <laughs> and like Draenei, okay, like Draenei females, okay, that fits. Draenei males, not really. Uh, humans, wow. kind of. Orcs, women again, yes. The men, no. You know, it's weird. You you I... have to admit that a gnome demon hunter would be hilarious. Yeah. See, I can see, I can, I can actually see trolls doing it. Trolls, yeah, uh, trolls are would fit way more in my head than like orcs, just because yeah. of yeah. the aesthetic. Well, plus trolls are technically related to the other two. Sure. They, they have sort of ancestral shadow hunters, but basically if, the same thing, but right? They, but if they give one horde race, uh, another horde race, demon hunters, they have to give another alliance race, demon hunters, and you see, it becomes a cycle. Honestly, it would be interesting if this was the first time that they actually like restricted it. You know, um, if they did it for Draenei, it might not be. I mean, you would just give diff like the horns would be more Eridari, right? Actually, you know what you do for Draenei? They get red skin. Yes, red or purple mm. and like black. Yeah, they start yeah. turning. They that'd look be, They look more like an Eridari. Cool. Yeah. That'd be really also, cool. I would then love that, but Anne would be here like so angry if she were here. <laughs> she would be yelling at me. Do not suggest Draenei can be demon hunters. Well, I was actually, here's the thing, man. Uh, if you're going to do Draenei Demon Hunters, it's finally the time for Draenei Warriors. Yeah. Give it to me. It's which, awesome. Which I know some people would go nuts over, but I'm at the point where I'm done fighting that. <laughs> okay, next email is from Pilgrim. Demon Hunter to be, or maybe Death Knight, Warrior, Druid, or Monk. It's still undecided from Stormreaver U. Hello, Watchers. I remember reading that the trolls of Azeroth had meetings every several years or so when they get together and talk about trollish things like reggae music and Tusklax. Uh, dude, that's not cool. Uh, do we know... Tusk the What's wrong with Tusklax? Have... I don't know. It was the whole assumption of reggae music. <laughs> I... Do we know if the sand trolls of Tenaris came to these meetings? Because if they did, wouldn't that imply that the trolls of the Eastern Kingdoms knew about the continent of Kalimdor all along? If they did, how come knowledge of Kalimdor was not more widespread in the Eastern Kingdoms before the Third War? Or is this just a case of everybody hating the trolls too much to bother talking to them about it? Best wishes, Pilgrim. Well, keep in mind, too, there are also troll tribes um, in uh, Mount Hyjal uh, and in Darkshore. But those guys probably didn't, there weren't enough of them, and they weren't particularly, like, outgoing, so they probably weren't going to any meeting. Uh, Zulfarak is actually interesting in that Zulfarak has been isolated for centuries, and that's one of the things that they say. That Zulfarak is not, you know, it's it's new that they reach out to the outside world, and in fact, they didn't really start doing it until we went into Zulfarak and killed their tri their tribal leader, and that's when they, they were like, "Hey, it ain't cool." So, in point of fact, no, they probably weren't going to any meetings for a long time. Uh, because they were, as I said, very insular. For that matter, most of the other trolls weren't really going. Like, the Zandalari had lost a lot of respect. They only started really getting it back and getting people to show up for that last big meeting because everything went awful when the Cataclysm hit. And it was... Everything is like... It, th that was their big push to try and gain a place in the world because they lost Zandalar Island. And we don't, we still don't quite know what happened to Zandalar Island in terms of whether or not it's still there. Uh, we, we've been told that it is sinking. We don't know how how badly it is sinking. It could be underwater already, for all I know. Like, we might... The next expansion, we might run into a whole bunch of underwater trolls. I, I have no <laughs> idea. But right now, uh, whether or not they knew... The thing is, they would have known about Kalimdor because they would have remembered Kalimdor. Yeah. They were there. They were on Kalimdor. All trolls... They, the troll empires stretch back to before the Sundering, to before Night Elf civilization. Yeah, I mean, so, it's not just everybody hating trolls, it is also trolls hating everybody. I don't think the trolls were, in, like, anything I know about the lore, there was never a point where the trolls were like, yeah, let's go hang out with these elves. It was, let's kill the elves, the elves were like, let's kill the trolls, not, let's exchange information and shake hands and, like, see, have a university yeah. together. Keep in mind that trolls are so aggressive that when the Amani trolls were already engaged in a couple thousand year war against the, the High Elves, they were in that war for thousands of years, and so then they met this completely new group that they had no prior knowledge of, who were nothing like the Elves, and who were completely not a threat to them, and they immediately attacked them. 
They didn't even wait to determine what they were. They were like, you are close, you are kind of close to our trollish lands. We're going to kill you. And that's mm-hmm. how the trolls got humans against them. Had the trolls not done this, the humans would never have like agreed to the deal with the, with the elves. The elves were like, hey, we'll teach a hundred of you guys how to do magic and you come fight in our war. And the humans were like, uh, okay. Yeah, I, I, we don't like trolls. Sure. I mean, I have a special sword that's actually called Troll Killer. I am totally okay with this idea. So, trolls don't talk a lot. The fact that trolls and orcs get along is, is basically because the Amani trolls and the old horde shared a goal, and that goal was killing everybody who wasn't them. And the the current horde, the orcs of the current horde, and the the jungle trolls, like, you know, Zuljin, not Zuljin, oh god. Vol'jin. Vol'jin's people. <laughs> uh, Vol'jin's people, the Darkspear, they met in a very unique circumstance and Thrall basically earned their trust via beating up a sea witch. So that's that's <laughs> why trolls and orcs get along now. And then the orcs basically introduced the trolls to the Torin, and they, they were like, you know, we have no experience of each other, so thus we can't really hate each other that much. That's why trolls and Torin get along, because they, they, they have, like, it's like, yeah, I, you guys seem okay. You were with the green dudes. Yeah, you, you, yeah, well, you, you know the green dudes. Yeah, okay. That's it's sort of like when you're friends with somebody because they're friends with a friend of yours. That's yeah. That's it's always a little thing. awkward. Like yeah, I, I, really... I wonder if you know, like trolls and tarns sit down at like the dinner table, like they're out at a bar or whatever, and they're just like trying really hard to think of something to talk about because like they know the orcs, but they don't really know each other. Like so, uh, that's how it started. Yeah. Did, did you read any good started. books lately? Oh, I don't like reading. Oh, <laughs> right. You know what? I hate shoes. I hate shoes too. Perfect. I can't wear them. Yeah. That their original. You know, originally they bonded over shamanism and not like in shoes. But uh, okay. Uh, next email is from Vin Sanity of Nesingware, U.S. Question for the podcast. Hello, watchers. I am currently listening to a multi-part podcast about the First World War and the sociopolitical uh, events leading up to it. What? Where is this going? Just listen, okay? <laughs> the caster is quite detailed and includes insert letters from the front, excerpts from memoirs, etc. This got me thinking about the Warcraft universe. See? Okay. And the multiple wars, battles, and conflicts all over the franchise's history. I wouldn't put it past me to put a question just about World War II in here, <laughs> just so I could nerd out about <laughs> but, but I didn't. Okay. Uh, wouldn't it be awesome to have a series of narratives explaining the various Warcraft wars from a similar perspective as these historical accounts of the First World War? A series of articles including the, po- the political alliances, entries from the soldiers' journals with detailed descriptions of the battles, essentially a fictional historical account. What are your thoughts? Is this something you'd like to see Blizzard do one day? Is this something that the creative minds at Blizzard Watch might do as a column? Here's, oh, man. here's what I want to see. Okay, You know there's that World War II in real-time Twitter account? Where wow. have you heard of this? Yeah, yes. I know what it is. Okay, yes, so if, for people who don't know, World War Two in real time is exactly what it says. Like it's the day the Twitter account started. It started tweeting like the first like official day of World War Two or whatever, and has been going day by day tweeting like the events of that day during World War Two. And so what I want to see is World of Warcraft in real time, and they start with the <laughs> War of the Ancients. And they go yeah. every single day of Azeroth's history until they get to the present. Uh, Dude, that's so, 10,000 so, years. I know. It's <laughs> amazing. So, why aren't heck? we doing this? That's the question. I'm not doing 10,000 days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like... we, we clearly need to rope Anne into this. Yeah, Anne's it's... not here, so we need to rope her um, into it. It's obviously it's ten... her We need to invent immortality, and we can do this. <laughs> <laughs> it's temporally impossible to do this. Because, like, every day for a year is 365 <laughs> tweets multiplied by 10,000. <laughs> you can't you summarize the stuff? I mean, come on. Summarize the stuff isn't the problem. The way the format works, man. <laughs> but no, in terms of, like, I will say this. Uh, I know that Warcraft, um, they're putting out the, the big collection that I... Chronicles is coming out right. that basically cover all the lore, that, you know, the various wars and so forth. One of the things that they did, they actually put this into old WoW. This goes way back. Um, they basically referenced the, the the documentary The Civil War by Ken Burns and mm-hmm. the letters of Sully Ballou. They actually put them into WoW 
and they had this neat little moment that was very similar to it, like that, that documentary style. And I, I would like to see something, you know, a lot of these wars are like unimaginably distant and very hard to think about. Because, I mean, yeah. if you look at it, well, here's an example from like, we were talking about it the other day. The, the troll wars that we just mentioned were like 2,800 years ago. From a WoW perspective, that's not that long ago because we have, you know, the War of the Ancients 10,000 years ago and so forth. But all of recorded human history isn't much longer than 2,800 years, you know? That's a, that's a lot of time, like actual time. We have prehistory going back further, but not a lot further. Like BC twelve, you know twelve, you know BC twelve hundred, BC fifteen hundred. That's three thousand five hundred years. That's that's getting to the point where we don't have written records anymore. Yeah, that's kind of one of those things that's difficult in fantasy fiction and and, and in Warcraft is War of the Ancients is still sometimes treated in you know uh, sometimes the story, sometimes how players react to the story as something that had just happened. Like, oh yeah, this thing in the War of the Ancients means that now, that was 10,000 years ago. Even if there have been night elves that have been alive this long, like, none of that crap is probably relevant in this world anymore. It would just, by definition, it would be impossible to, like, really keep in mind just how much time that is for, like, a civilization to record itself. The fact that they've got a civilization where they remember it where somebody would be like, oh yes, I remember when the demons came. And that's, you know, the entirety of Pandaria's current history has taken place with them living inside a giant fog bank. Nobody, no Pandaren alive for 10,000 years saw more of outside of that than a turtle. You know, a bunch of them were like, nah, we don't want to be stuck on these mists. So they went and lived on a turtle. Yeah. Those are the adventurous guys, the guys who live on a turtle. Everybody else was like, nah, I'm good with my eternal fog-shrouded prison. And, and so, like, obviously, I mean, these are fantasy elements. fog-shrouded prison. Yeah. yeah. These, these are fantasy elements, so, like, you can't just go, oh, if this happened in real life, blah, blah, blah. But, I mean, if this happened in real life, uh, you're probably looking at, like, a few hundred years <laughs> is how that would yeah. go on Earth. Um, anything before that, like, it's good information, and sometimes it is, like... It shaped the modern world, but it would be weird if someone's like, "Oh yeah, I remember when the Romans sacked Carthage." Well, it's like I was just reading SPQR, which is a book about the the foundation of Roman power, like how the Roman Republic and the Roman Empire, how they came to be, how they existed. It talks about Catiline and Cicero, and the the thing is, like you you read about these guys in school, and you you know them as like you know this this political conflict but you never realize how grimy and and very very political bossy it was if, if you've ever watched like modern politicians go at each other yeah it's like that oh yeah they were like that they you know cicero is slandering catiline for all he's worth like you know horrible things um the the, the emperors uh, theodora and justinia which is like during the byzantine empire when, when Rome has, like, half-fallen and they were reconquering much yeah, of Italy. Yeah, like, Justinian uh, came, Rome. like, closer to reviving Rome than anybody else. Yeah, he actually did for a period of time. He, he reconquered the West. And then there were a series of unfortunate events, and uh, that yeah. fell apart. But the, the funny thing is that Procopius wrote a, a series of books called The Anecdota, which were essentially political slanders. And if you've ever read books written today by modern politicians... It's the, he went like like that except instead of saying you know she's in bed with big oil he said she had sex with more people than exist. <laughs> he actually used the train. <laughs> he said she fornicated with myriad myriad of myriads, and that's the kind of thing. It's like that's fifty. That's like <laughs> nineteen hundred years ago, and we've completely like how many people know that fact? I had to go look that up. You know what I mean? But people in WoW just know, oh yeah, and then 10,000 years ago the demons came. I remember when Zaxxus flew over the horizon, his black wings shining. It's like, what are you talking about? I remember the exact quote of such and such ancient on such and such very specific day. <laughs> it was raining. 
<laughs> apparently, apparently, history classes in Azeroth are much more detailed than history classes in our world. At least for night elves. Night elves do not. <laughs> they don't take it if you don't remember exactly what happened, man. But yeah. Can so you imagine having like a perfect memory for ten thousand years? I can't remember a specific event in every detail about it from like ten years ago. Ten thousand oh, years way. ago. I don't know. Uh, the, I, I I actually forgot when you know when we started this whole thing, and and I got hired to write about you know people who wear plate and yell at people and hit them with things. I had forgotten that it was in 2007. <laughs> <laughs> I was telling people 2009, <laughs> and then I was like, oh it's no, been a few I, years. And that's like just that's just that's something I did every week. For that amount of time, like I didn't, I didn't uh, not do it. I did it every week. <laughs> I still forgot, like you know, when it happened. So, all right, next one's from Raiden. Uh, I think it's pronounced Raiden or Raiden, because it's spelled exactly like the Mortal Kombat guy and the Metal Gear Solid so, guy, the Metal Gear guy, whatever. So, and which of course is based on an actual god. Yes. So yes, I I know there's a Japanese god named Raiden. So, uh, greetings, watchers. Raiden from Blackhand here. Yes, I'm Elemental. Has there been any word if the artifact weapons will include offhand items? I know for protection warriors slash paladins, their artifacts include the shield, and that enhancement shaman will get a, an elemental clone of Doomhammer for their offhand. What about my elemental fist of Rodan? Will we get a shield, or do you guys think that the developers will have uh, the elements just come together and form a swirling vortex of molten rock with lightning sparking off of it? Fingers crossed for that. Uh, thoughts on other class with one-handed we weapons for conjured items or physical offhands? Keep up the great show here on Warwatch. Um, That's a good okay. question. I know that, the, for instance, the the, the, the the paladin and warrior items you mentioned, the shields are actually your artifact. Mm. It's the, the, the weapon is, the, the sword that you get is just paired with it. Like, the shield is the big deal and the weapon, the sword is because, well, you have to have a sword. You know, it's, they, they don't just give you a big shield and tell you to go for it. Um, which I think would be hilarious if Prot Warriors just had a giant shield. <laughs> They're just, you know, it's a two-hand shield. It's the first two-hand shield in WoW. You need both hands for this shield. But um, in terms of offhands, I know I know that the Death Knights get paired blades. Um, that the Frost Death Knight gets, two pair, gets paired one-hand weapons. I'm pretty sure, based on when I was reading about it, that the Fist of Rodan, you do actually get a shield. I'm trying to um, think. I know. I know that the 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 uh, really? other weapon, the, the resto shaman gets a. Sh get, I know resto shamans get a, a shield with their um, weapon because I've seen it. Hmm. It's a in the screenshots. I could uh, but, um, be misremembering this. And it's highly likely because I'm not a night elf. I <laughs> seem to recall the outlaw rogue artifact is in fact one weapon that shows up in hmm. both of your hands. Um, I'm pretty sure that it is. Like, you, you equipped one item, and that one item had the name of both weapons, and when you equipped that one thing, both of your hands got a sword in it. Hmm. Yeah. I, I know that the Fury Warrior two-hand swords, they're paired weapons. They actually each have their own name. But, you know, you definitely get to. If you have anything... It seems like if you have anything that goes into an off-slot, the only reason the Doomhammer gives you a molten copy instead of like a instead of it being paired two weapons is because the doom hammer is is always just one weapon you know it's i'm gonna just say it the doom hammer is not a great fit for enhancement shamans <laughs> well, uh, that's pretty much the same thing elliot said when we first found out well the, the reason it's not a great fit is because if the enhancement shamans were still focused on using two-handed weapons like back in vanilla I fought a lot of enhancement shamans in PvP that had Sulphuros. With Wind Fury, yeah, enjoy that one shot. <laughs> they were, and yes, that's exactly what happened. The only people who could stand up to them were like you know warriors with like Ashkandi or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, they were they were demons in PvP. People used to make web comics about it <laughs> because that, that's how bad shamans with Wind Fury on a Sulphuros were. Ever since they've moved away from that design. I think this was the time to go to move back to it, quite frankly, and just have a doom hammer. You have the big old doom hammer. That's your artifact. They wanted to have the doom hammer. They wanted to keep dual wielding, so they had to come up with a clutch. Uh, and it couldn't be I have two doom hammers. 
because where did you get the other Doom Hammer? There's really only one of them. Yeah. Uh, I guess technically you could have got it from Draenor, and then it would have been like, you know, <laughs> look, I have I have Thrall's Doom Hammer and the other Doom Hammer, and then everyone would have been like, that's really See, good. that's how everyone in the Paladin class hall has an Ashbringer. We've just been abusing the <laughs> crap out of, like, the timeways. Yes. We're just like, but... why have one when we can ransack every reality and have all of them? <laughs> it turns out that every other paladin in the class hall but you is actually from a different timeline. Well, this is this is like how every paladin ever wants to transmog into judgment. So I imagine the paladin class hall will just be... A oh, whole room mean? of people wearing judgment in various color combinations and uh, wielding ash candy. I'm I'm and always going to be in that weird blue crystal <laughs> and raids, set. Yes, raids will be raids will be the exception. But in general, um, yeah. If, if there's an, I know I know the Arresto Shaman one actually has a shield. I don't actually know. I haven't seen any pictures of someone using the Fist of Brada in with a shield, but. I'm pretty sure it will have something. If it doesn't give you a shield, it will give you some other offhand. Yeah, um, because that's what it seems do. like they either have an offhand baked in, or the total stats of both items are in the item stats of the what? <laughs> yeah, I don't know what you were just trying to say. Okay, so you have a main hand and offhand, and both have stats on it. But if you only get a, the main hand weapon. The stats that you would get on an offhand are probably included in the main hand, so you don't need an offhand. But it, it seems likely that. You but get it a it seems like that's... you get one. Yeah, but I know I know like I said I know that the uh, enhancement shaman. Uh, sorry, resto shamans have a shield. I've seen it. Uh, okay, next one is from Elemente again, and this one is Thromkaw Watchers. Do you think Warcraft will ever have a dragonborn race? Or class. Hmm. We know that Blizzard adds races and classes only if they fit a particular expansion. So do you think the expansion would have to be about in order to justify adding the Dragonborn? Considering the importance and prominence of dragons in Warcraft, not having draconic humanoids represented as a race, class, or even just a faction is, in my opinion, a missed opportunity. The lore clearly supports the existence of humanoid factions worshipping each of the dragon flights and receiving various powers from them. Uh, either of you guys have an idea on this one? Um, hmm. It's not something that excites me i guess like there's the draconids yeah I, I think that's that would be what it would have to be but draconids mm -hmm. are very linked to individual dragon flights like there's there's draconids for each of them yeah and then there's like dragons uh, like the chromatic ones which are like you know the experimental ones and twilight ones and so forth i mean i was thinking dragonborn like go ahead liz it seems like it would make more sense if it was like a worgen kind of thing where it's like you have some sort of humanoid-ish form and then you have some sort of dragon-ish form. Kind of like the dragons themselves do. They all have these kind of human forms and then they turn into dragons and they do stuff. Yeah, I don't know. I, I honestly, from my mind, if we're going to do like a reptilian race, it should be the ones from Pandaria that are like kind of unpleasant and made from like, you know bad mistakes that the Mogu made. <laughs> the Sorok. Uh, just because they have dinosaurs. Well, and I'm what about... That. We've still got Naga. Yeah, I don't know if we're ever going to get Naga as a race. Yeah, I don't know either. I mean, I'm not convinced. I think it'd be cool, but I'm not... Yeah. I mean, Dragonborn, I started thinking, like, Skyrim. And I was like, forget that. I want my Blue Mage <laughs> class I talked about last week. <laughs> no, I... I yeah, I, I know what... I, I had the same thought, but then I... I actually, my first thought was D&D 4th edition and now 5th edition had the Dragonborn, who are basically just humanoid dragon people. Uh, they're and similar you... to dra Draconians from, from Dragonlance. There's there's no reason they couldn't invent something that we haven't seen before that's like a dragon relative, but then we also haven't seen, we haven't seen a lot of dragons since, uh, what, Cataclysm? No, there's pretty much, yeah, they've, they, I think the first dragon boss since Cataclysm didn't they say that the first Dragon Boss since Cataclysm is basically coming up? Hmm. I mean, we, we have... haven't even we haven't even seen Rathion this expansion. We have not. We've gone. He, he makes a cameo. <laughs> That's about it. Yeah, he, he has well, a cameo. I, like he's mentioned, but no, no, he's actually in the. Uh, oh really? The, the end of oh, the, the... the legendary quest. You can yeah. see him oh, hovering yeah, around they... as a whelp. The thing that yeah. I'm desperately trying to grind my way through. Okay. All right, I think this may be the last email because we're you know getting towards the end. But this one is something I feel like we should probably straighten up. So, 
This one is not signed, so... Greetings, Watchers. It was mentioned at BlizzCon as a passing statement that the transmog system will be account-wide. Are you aware of any confirmation on this? Also, do you think they will allow CM gear on alts as long as we have completed it on one tune? Or only if it's the only if they are the only armor type, of course. Uh, and avid listener of years, keep up the amazing work. I can answer the first question. And categorically, yes, it's account-wide. Uh, I've, I've been playing with it ever since I got on the alpha. Um, I went around and tested various things. Uh, I can tell you right now, Blizzard has imperfectly implemented the thing we wrote an article about, about how you're only going to unlock your armor type. Mm. Right now, Sounds Paladins, like it's buggy. Yeah. Right now, right now, I took a Paladin, I bought a piece of plate gear, mail gear, leather gear, and cloth gear, and I unlocked all four for my Paladin. Mm. But he did not unlock them for the mage or druid that I also created and then tried to use those looks on. If you buy a piece of gear and it's soulbound, it will unlock for you and anybody who can wear that kind of gear if you wear that kind of gear. So hmm. if you buy a plate piece, I've done, I did this too. I went on my warrior and I bought a bunch of plate piece and I transmogged my palette into it. You, If you're a plate class, you can unlock that look for any of your other plate classes. You can't unlock cloth for clothies or mail for, for uh, hunters or leather for leather classes. But since, like, if it's a quest reward, because quests are count-wide... Um, even, the, even the quest rewards really? do not... Really? Even the quest rewards? Okay. They, because I went, I did some quests. The thing is, the problem I had is that I could only go and do a couple really fast, mm. but I went I went on my, my paladin and did a couple quests and zones, and it didn't seem to be unlocking the stuff for other classes. It, it also sounds like it's just buggy right now because I've seen reports where people are unlocking more than just their armor type. Yeah, but like Warcraft, know... Warcraft devs confirmed that it is only supposed to be you can unlock your own armor type. But it's absolutely account-wide. I can say that unequivocally. Because, I, like I said, the first thing I did when I, I created a, a Death Knight, a Warrior, and a Paladin, I immediately transmogged my Paladin to Warrior gear. Specifically, the starting gear that you get as a level 100 character... I put that on my paladin immediately because if I was anything I hate more than the starting gear they give warriors, <laughs> it's the starting gear they give paladins. On the alpha? Um, it's yes. hideous. Yeah. It's just ugly. Except the hammer. The hammer is fine. Oh yeah, the hammer's good. The armor set is terrible. Uh, also, the, the, the other thing is that the weapons work pretty much categorically across. Like, if you can use a two-hand sword, uh, it'll work for any class that can use a two-hand sword. So, like, for instance, my warrior can transmog to the staff that my priest had to start with. That's not a problem. The priest can't transmog to a two-handed sword because they can't equip a two-handed sword. So that's still in place with the transmog system. As far as the CM gear, I really couldn't tell you because I don't have any CM gear on any of my premates because nobody does. Yeah, I don't think uh, anybody's running challenge modes on the alpha with premade characters. Well, it wouldn't matter if they were, because none of the challenge modes gear will unlock. Mm. Like, remember, they, they locked all that stuff at the end of Mist of Pandaria. So if you've got that CM gear, you know, good luck to you. Uh, there's nothing that we can do for you. We, we can't test it right now, because they won't let us transfer on our own characters yet. Mm. Uh, until such time as they let me move my main on, I really no hope to answer that part of the question. But the rest of it, yeah, it's account-wide. It absolutely is. Yay. So um, I guess that's basically it for the week. Um, usually Anne does the Patreon thing, <laughs> and she's not here. So, uh, Alex? Sure. If you enjoy our podcast, our blog, everything else we do at Blizzard Watch, you can support us and join our community at uh, patreon.com slash blizzardwatch. <laughs> okay. Um, at this point, I'm going to give both... Uh, Liz and Alex, chance to say any final thoughts they might have? I'm going to start with Liz. Uh, I don't have any final thoughts, but it was great hanging out with y'all this week and talking Blizzard. Thanks for joining Thank us on such short call. notice. <laughs> yes. In that, in, in other words, thanks for coming on. We were like, um, help. We need a, <laughs> we need a podcast third, please help us. I, I was sitting in front of my computer, so why not? Uh, people th might, they might think they want a podcast to just me and Rossi. They don't. <laughs> no. <laughs> the, the problem with the two of us is half the time we violently disagree, and half the time we agree. 
We so, we're either like a stalwart united front, or we are at war with each other. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's just not good. Like, lots of silence followed by you can't possibly believe that. Uh, yes. Thank you very much for listening. This has been the Blizzard Watch podcast, and have a good week. We will see you next week. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.